Welcome back to an all-new episode of our Gilmore Girls podcast, Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And on this week's episode, we're going to be discussing episode eight of season three. But before we get into that, Eleni has a story for us, as promised at the end of last week's podcast, um, about why she hates a certain Friends episode. We just talked about this. I don't hate it. I just have beef with it. Okay, she has beef with it. <sighs> so rude. So please tell us, why is it that you hate the trivia episode of Friends? How did we get to talking about this last episode? I don't remember. I think I brought up Friends, and then you mentioned how much you hate this specific oh, episode. No, it's because we were talking about why, like, all the little discrepancies that we were seeing in the episode last week. Mm-hmm. And then you see them in all kinds of shows, and then you said, oh, I see them in Friends all the time. And I'm like, oh, my God, girl. I see it in that fucking little episode that I fucking... Exactly. Yeah. So I still have anger. (laughs) Yes. And to clarify for our audience, I believe the episode you're talking about is from season four of Friends called The One with the Embryos. Yes. So um, the reason it's called that is because... I was going to say Suki. Oh, my God. Phoebe. (laughs) Phoebe gets uh, her embryos implanted in her uterus. But um, side plot to that episode, they're having a little, like, quiz. Um, What starts out as a quiz and then turns into, like, a bet about who's going to get the apartment and if the duck and the chick die. No. Okay, close. No, they're talking about whether or not they're going to get rid of the chick and the duck because they're keeping them awake at night. So Chandler and Joey go first. They get however many they get. I think six or whatever. And then the girls go, and the question is, uh, what is Chandler Bing's job? And nobody can answer it. And, like, they choke. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not only, like, they can't answer, and they're, like, like, freaking out, whatever. And Rachel says transponder. Yeah, whatever the hell that is. (laughs) Not a word. Monica's like, that's not a word. But technically, that was their answer. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So why did the time keep going? True. Because when Joey and Chandler are answering the question of how old was Ross when he touched a boob or whatever, mm-hmm. Chandler says 14, and Ross is like, nope, 19, but thanks for that. And then they move on to the next question. So wrong answer equals move on to the next question. Mm-hmm. So Rachel says transponder. That's wrong answer. Move on to the next question. That's what pisses you off about this episode? Why is the clock still ticking? I was expecting something totally different. What were you expecting? I was expecting you to say something like uh, the trivia questions just don't make sense. Yeah, okay, there's that too, obviously. But I mean, come on. Wrong question. You move on. Wrong question. Yeah. How, yeah, no, I see what you mean, because were they they were doing that with the lightning round anyway, weren't they? But that's what it is. It was a lightning round as many, as many, oh, can't speak. I have Jeffrey syndrome. <laughs> as many right answers in that short amount of time as you can get. Yeah. So a lightning round means you spit out whatever, and if it's wrong, you move on. Mm-hmm. Well, at least those were the rules that Ross set up when Chandler said 14, and it was wrong. True. So why is it good enough for the boys, but when Rachel says transponder, it doesn't work? Maybe, I mean, I'm, 
I agree that is that is a, a clear flaw in in the, in the episode. Me for like ten years. <laughs> no, okay. So I agree with you, but but like what I might offer as an explanation is perhaps because Monica is so competitive, Ross might have like interpreted her yelling. That's not even a word as like that's not our answer. Don't accept that. No, it was said. Move on. Wouldn't you think Monica would want to move on to the next question? Yeah, exactly. She clearly didn't get it. She clearly doesn't know what he does. By the way, what did he do? What do, what does he do? Yeah. Um, he is. Data. Yeah, he is. Uh, or he was until season nine when he became a uh, an advertising person, employee, whatever, an advertising, an advertiser. Works in advertising. <laughs> better, <laughs> From, better. Uh, prior to that, he was an executive, like specializing in like data reconfiguration or something like yeah. st- 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 statistical analysis and data reconfiguration yeah. That's it. um anyways so that has been bothering me for 10 years so you you commented on a youtube video to it bothered me so much that i had to go comment on a google on a google video on a youtube video i was like i need to find my people somebody else who agrees with me and did you find anybody no <laughs> <laughs> i'm still waiting <laughs> Well, that's what this podcast is all about. Okay, so they should have moved on to the next question. So perhaps some of our listeners will agree with your fiery passion about how bothersome that episode is. I need to find somebody that agrees with me. <laughs> yes, I don't not agree with you. That was not. I was just not expecting you to say that. What? Like what? It's a Friends episode. Relax. It's twenty-two minutes of just comedic whatever. What yeah, did you I think know. I was gonna say? <laughs> But you want to know what pisses me off most about that episode? Is and this I thought this from the very first time I watched it. I mean, like, there's other things that piss me off about that episode. So yeah, go ahead. Yes. So I thought this from like the first time I watched that episode in the fifth grade. Um, it was the fact that um, Joey and Chandler and Monica and Rachel are having this whole argument, which leads into this trivia game about how they don't know each other, like who knows each other better. Mm-hmm. And everybody seems to ignore the, or ignore or discount the fact that Ross is the one who made up this game, all the questions, all the answers. So I think the answer to the question, who knows which person best? I think Ross knows everybody the best. Exactly. Unless like he conferred with them beforehand. But yeah, hello. Hello. Ross is clearly the ultimate friend. Unfortunately, because Ross is the worst. But. Ross is trash, but anyways. <laughs> Um, you know what else pissed me off about that episode now that we're in it? What? The fact that they implanted the embryos and two hours later, later Phoebe takes a test and she's pregnant. I know. That's like the such fact sick- that science works, okay, Marta Kaufman. <laughs> it's such sitcom bullshit. Like, yeah. You guys, I'm pregnant. They're gonna have a baby. That's not how that works, okay? Oh boy. So I'll just have to say in conclusion to our friends banter is that Despite the fact that there's a lot of discourse, especially in the last year, because last year was the 25th anniversary of the Friends premiere, um, I just have to say that in response to a lot of the discourse surrounding the fact that, oh, Friends is dated, Friends sucks, Friends is very um, heteronormative, uh, you know, white-centric, etc. All the like, all the the blatant flaws about Friends. Um, they're all valid, but like, I feel like the fact that Friends has been so widely seen.
seen and repeated and syndicated in the 15 years since it ended that we've all kind of se- we, like we've all kind of seen friends too many times so like obviously you've if you've seen something so many times it's it's blatant flaws are going to become more and more evident mm-hmm. so i feel like if like and then people kind of apply that same logic to other older shows and it's like you can't really like you can't pick apart something that was made so long ago like it like you know what i mean in terms of you can't apply today's standards to something from back then like yes it might be like ooh, that's a bit you know on the nose today but like this was made 20 years ago and yeah. you can't like I just, I just find people take it way too far in terms of the criticism and like friends is problematic for these reasons and like i might i, I might agree with you but like maybe just go watch another show then because i think we've all seen and discussed friends into the ground but at this point yeah, um, but I think we've talked about this before. We, there's a lot of shows that we're fans of, but that wouldn't work necessarily in today's climate. Mm-hmm. I mean, we grow, we learn. It like it's fine. Don't worry. Yeah. Like it just because, and I mean, just because you like the show doesn't mean you're a racist or a homophobe or whatever it is. No. You can rec- the fact that you're recognizing the sh- the show's shortcomings. Exactly. Makes you you know, more aware. Yeah. And you can enjoy something without, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying no, to say? I get exactly what you're saying. Because, like, okay. 95% of the Friends fans that, like, I know, um, most of them acknowledge, like, the, the show's shortcomings. And it's, like, the fact that it's kind of nonsensical in many ways. That Like, that's what's so comforting about it is that, like, this is so unrealistic that it's comforting because I want life to be that simple. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I I get it because Friends, like I said, has just been so widely consumed, whether we like it or not, for so long that it's like, okay, there are other shows that are probably a bit better in some areas. But like, just, you know, if you if you feel the need still today, you know, all these years later to still go on the Internet and type up a long winded think piece about why Friends sucks and Friends is homophobic, Friends is this, Friends is that, just like I would suggest you know, reading all the other already published think pieces about it, nod your head in agreement and go watch something else because I'm just, I'm kind of done hearing about it. Listen, if I can wait for 10 years for somebody to agree with me on YouTube, you don't have to have your feelings validated, okay? (laughs) Read all the other articles. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, I, I feel like the last thing I'll say about this is I feel like that perspective is even gaining more momentum now with the Black Lives Matter movement because I don't know if you if you heard about the Golden Girls episode that got removed from Hulu as a result of Well, it's not just Golden Girls. It's 30 Rock. Tina Fey had a couple of episodes removed. Yeah. Girls. There's another show too. What what happened with the other one? Anyways, yeah, I think people are just kind of reevaluating. Yeah, which is like not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, like the gold, like I understood why people had issues with the Golden Girls episode being removed because it was actually like, I mean, yes, it's dated. The the humor is obviously dated, but like the episode itself was not racist in terms. Like, I mean, there's been a lot of like black activists who have spoken out saying like that episode was not racist. And the, I think the underlying issue is that instead of focusing on the present and you know like hiring more uh, people of color for behind the scenes in front of the camera and like in the current present day, instead of doing better now, you decide to go back and try to erase, like try to erase the mistakes or shortcomings 
from the past. Like the past, the past. Like obviously yeah. something's obviously if something's pro- like so problematic. It's good that you go back and remove it because we shouldn't have to, you know, still see that and think it's acceptable. But like, I feel like so many people are spending too much time focusing on the the blunders and the shortcomings of the past instead of like focusing on the present and what we can do better going forward. Yeah, I think that's where the issue lies, though, because I think people going back is their way of not like it's their way of, I don't know what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say, how am I going to verbalize it now uh, without offending people? I feel like people going back and trying to fix the mistakes of the past is Mm -hmm. their way of saying, well, look, I acknowledge it. Now my hands are clean without actually moving forward now. Exactly. Like somebody can say like, look, I've acknowledged that in the past we made mistakes and look, we went down and took down these episodes, for example, but then not change their behavior now. Yeah. And it's a way for them to like be the good guy, but also not (laughs) like, you know, no, I agree a hundred percent. So exactly, like you said, unless things change today, unless you hire more writers of color, um, you know, unless you hire trans people to play trans people, unless you hire gay people to play gay, like, you know what I mean? Unless you're, if you're not representing everyone Mm -hmm. today, I don't care how many blunders you fixed in the past. Exactly. People in like high ups, executives, writers, whatever it is, you need to change now. Like mm-hmm. you said, past is the past. We can't do anything about it. There's racist shit from the 40s, from the 50s, from the 60s. It's going to happen. We live in a different time now. Change it now yeah. and we'll be good. No, you're so right. Like, I didn't even think about that. The fact that, like, it's so much easier to go back and remove episodes that have already happened 30 years ago and say, like, oh, look, we did it. We fixed it. Yeah. That's so, that's so much easier than, like, looking in the mirror today and and solving the problems that are, like, are still happening going but forward. It, it's a way for them to kind of not get out of it, but you know what I mean. Like it's a way for them to change things without really changing things. Yeah, exactly. It's a way to come up on top and still be a shitty person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of shitty people. Yeah. So. I posted that thing on our story. Mm-hmm. Very briefly, we're going to talk about this because it's not like, I don't know why I brought it up anyways, but I posted that thing on our story about this uh, BuzzFeed News article about Ellen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple of months ago, this this thread on Twitter went viral about, like, share your stories of Ellen being an absolute horrible person to you. I know. I loved that thread. Oh, my God. First of all, I live for this shit. <laughs> um, is anyone surprised? You know what? It's funny you're asking that because, like, we're, we're so far down the rabbit hole now. It doesn't matter. But doesn't it's matter. so funny you're asking that because... My mom, not because my mom was shocked, but my mom was like in disbelief. Like my mom still has trouble believing it now, even as I've read her more news stories that have come out about Ellen. So here's the thing. I find older people have a very hard time wrapping their heads around this shit. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe older It's like crazy. She's like, what? I know. So I, and I think, I think I know why. Um, not I know why, but I mean, I have a theory as to why. So a lot of the stories that were coming out was about, um, like young PAs and young assistants and young, um, I don't know, like sound people, talent people, whatever, even like waitresses and waiters and restaurants and whatnot. Yeah. Talking about how she just treats them horribly. She tells people not to, they, she tells her people to tell 
uh, like lower, lower people not to make eye contact with her. Um, the wildest one I read is that she had a waitress fired because her nail polish was chipped. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyways. So I think it's a generational thing. For sure. A lot of it is because I've said this to my mom before. I find my mom's generation is very impatient. Mm-hmm. Not a, this is not like a, to say that all of this, cause Ellen is impatient, but bear <laughs> with me. Um, because she's a horrible human being if all this stuff is true. But I find, I've spoken to my mom about this before. When we go out in public sometimes, my mom is, especially at restaurants, I'll give you an example. My mom is so impatient, not because she's a bad person, but she's just used to like, I don't know, either being served or she she doesn't like to be kept waiting. Mm -hmm. I've I've seen that with a lot of older people or people of my mother's generation. Mm-hmm. You know, as like me and you, where we say like, oh, we're short staffed. Like if somebody were to tell us, so sorry for the wait, we're short staffed. I'd be like, oh my God, no problem. Take your time. Are you okay? Yeah. My mother would just be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely agree with you like on the generational thing in terms of like uh, to, you know, utter a cliche, you know, millennials, etc., are a little more patient with that. Um not patience what I'm trying to say is we're more understanding a little yes. bit because we've been given like the short end of the stick as well yeah <laughs> like no jobs and like working for free and having a master's degree but still working for minimum wage yeah exactly but I would say like again no offense to you or your mom but like I feel like it's also a generational thing of like certain ethnicities so yeah. like um, it makes sense to me that, like, your mom, you know, of, of her generation and, like, a Greek woman is, like, a little more impatient than, say, my mom, who I think is a little younger than your mom, or the same age, I don't remember. Uh, but, like, yeah, so, like, around the same generation, but, like, different ethnicities. So I find, like, I'm not going to say my mom or my my dad more so, but my mom less, because my mom is just, like, she's impatient, like, she's patient, but to a point. So, like... She would totally understand if, like, I'm so sorry we're short staffed, but, like, depending on, like... too, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, but, like, depend... Like, my mom is very... That's what... This is why I understand why my mom kind of doesn't believe... It doesn't... Is, isn't as easy to believe for her the stories about Ellen, because, like, my mom goes, ba- like, goes based off of people's demeanor. So, like, if the waitress says, oh, we're very short staffed, and she has, like, this kind, giving, you know, sincere demeanor, then my mom's like, of course, no problem, like, take your time, we totally understand, but mm-hmm. if, like, the person kind of, like, is a little stiffer, or, like, rubs her the wrong way, or, like, isn't as personable or outgoing, she kind of will, like, she'll still be polite, and yeah, no worries, but is less, less inclined to be as forgiving and impatient, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, so I feel I- like in terms you were saying it comes down to like people of older generations who have been used to getting stuff like my mom has had her job for over 40 years you know like you know didn't have to struggle with um all the stuff that our generation is struggling with like a a shitty economy a job shortage you know that also shapes a person right yes for sure so um it's definitely generational where I'm very understanding where like sometimes I'm too understanding too. Like people are treating me like shit. I'm like, Oh my God, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I definitely think it's, 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 it's age. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And fuck Ellen, if this is true. Yeah. And I think 
I don't know. Maybe I think the like the collective consensus, the general consensus that you know, no one's surprised that Alan is a, is a mean person behind the camera. I think it's because a lot of people, maybe like especially on social media, it's like the social media age. Like they never really bought Ellen's kind kindness motto. First of all, like all you have to do is watch an interview with her. Mm-hmm. Like watch her interview somebody. Yeah. She doesn't give a fuck about them. E- yes, for sure. But like, I f- but like the thing tell. is, watching Ellen interview anyone, you know she's going in to say something that's gonna make them uncomfortable or like continue a line of questioning that they don't want. She doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, for sure. Go watch think- any Ellen interview. It's true. But she also, like, the thing is, so she'll she'll obviously do that. Like, everything you said is definitely is 100% true. And then she, But then she'll kind of, like, turn around by scaring them or some other, like, shtick or gimmick that, that like, makes Ellen look like the ringmaster. Like, oh, it was always a big joke. Like, I'm funny. Okay. I'm great. You Here's know? The thing. Just like we said that you, you can't go just go back and change your blunders of shows in the past, change mm-hmm. things now. I don't give a fuck how much money Ellen has given to people. Like, no. I, like from Shutterfly. It's always from Shutterfly. I don't know why. <laughs> but, like, I don't give a fuck how many lives she's changed with her big-ass checks. If you're mm-hmm. making, like, if the stories in this this article are true, this, this lady com- almost committed suicide, and she, was at, she asked to have some time off, and they said no. They fired her. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care how many fucking checks you write. If this is the work environment you're creating, you're not a good person. Mm-mm. I'd rather you didn't write any other checks and just fix what's happening on your fucking lot. Yeah, it's true. There's a bunch of fucking stories now. You're still making millions of dollars doing your fucking show from quarantine, but you've let go half your staff with no pay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> but you know what? My, you know what my favorite response to that. Ellen article was no was all the former BuzzFeed employees saying BuzzFeed is one to talk yeah I know it's true because it was just like mess on top of mess like the Ellen story was a mess to begin with and it was BuzzFeed or broke the news everyone's like ooh, BuzzFeed talking about a toxic work environment ooh, yeah there's so many like if you don't know what we're talking about there's so many former BuzzFeed employees that like have spilled the tea so to say mm-hmm um so, yeah, they're not one to talk. They're but, really um, anyways, whatever. Should we get to this episode? Because I feel yes. like we've been running. Conclu- and in conclusion to this long-winded intro topic, I will share my favorite meme about being a, about being a millennial. Is it's, it was like, a, it was like a, um, a Tumblr post that said, say what you want about millennials, but at least we don't lick our fingers to, to turn a page. Oh, my God. And then someone else wrote underneath, don't have to because my hands are constantly sweaty from the constant stress of being alive. True. It's so true. There you go. So true. You guys have it so easy, you don't know. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this episode 308. Yes. Let the games begin. Let the games begin. Um, so is it safe to say that you've been waiting for this episode for a very long time? Honestly... I would have to say that when I like any time that I rewatch Gilmore Girls, it's it's Jess's first appearance in season two that I'm more looking forward to than this. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, oh, 
fans of the people are finally like, oh my god, they're finally together, yes. Yes, but like we're gonna get we're like we're gonna get in, we're gonna get into this because I do have mixed feelings about how this all goes down. Okay. Um, just because like we already like I've already given us a, a preview of the whole of how I'm not a big fan of the Dean versus Jess narrative that is the, that we, that takes place for the rest of season three. And I just don't like I just I don't like how. Obviously, Jess was always the bad guy, but, like, I don't like how Rory and Jess didn't really, like, they didn't really get the same kind of treatments that Rory and Dean got. It's just, like, Jess didn't even have a fighting chance, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that's a given. It is a given, but we're going to get into it because I have even more mixed feelings about it, so. All right. Um, so it's the aftermath of the dance marathon. And they can't walk. And they're limping. <laughs> Uh, have you ever had a date where you've been limping like that? Not limping, but, like, them yeah. being tired Imagine. and not being able to... No, not really. Like, I've been sleep-deprived. Like, I've been sleep-deprived and, like, have... I'm, yeah, but, like, I'm usually, like, Lori... Lori... Lori. Hello, Lori. Um, I, but I've been, like, Lorelai and Rory who are just so tired and don't want to move. Like, that's just me every morning, so... But the limping thing I definitely get because shoes, women's shoes, you know. And dancing for 24 hours. And dancing for, oh, God, the day after my brother's wedding. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, mamma mia. First of all, bubbles on my feet. Oh, my God. Even though, even though I changed, like, halfway through the reception, I changed my shoes. I wore very comfortable vans. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about, like sitting with, uh, standing with heels on that, like, marble altar of our church, <laughs> and, like, not moving for an hour, oh, my God, my feet were destroyed. <laughs> I can so I definitely imagine. Yeah, I definitely understand the limping the next day. <laughs> um, so Kirk and his trophy are ridiculously obnoxious. Yes, and I'm glad someone stole his trophy, because it's like, fuck off. Yeah, but apparently somebody steals the trophy every year, so does somebody actually steal the trophy, or is it just Kirk making something up to, like, Draw more attention to the fact that he won. No, I think so. I think like Kirk is just perpetually obnoxious with it every year. So someone's like, "You're gonna okay. lose it." Like every year, somebody steals his trophy. Yeah. Okay, I can see that, but I could also see like Kirk making something like that up. For sure, but I think in this case, like like we said last week and week before, you know, Kirk has so little in his life. <laughs> It's amazing to me how Kirk has so little and the town knows he has so little, but they still fuck with him. Yeah, and like he's and somehow he manages to work in every business in Stars Hollow. But I think that's why. Because like they know he has so little. So when he asks for a job, they're like, Yeah, whatever, what heart are you gonna do? <laughs> so true. I know. Okay, so this whole high bye scene. Don't you love high bye? Okay. Hi. Very Hi. awkward. <laughs> The secondhand embarrassment is real. I know. I'm one of those people that gets embarrassed very easily while watching a television show. <laughs> I know, or a movie, whatever. This was very real. I was like, oh no, cringe, go away. <laughs> Do you think uh, Rory told Lorelai or Lorelai just assumed? It's interesting that we didn't get to see that happening. Yeah, we've talked a lot before about scenes that we'd wish we'd seen. Mm-hmm. This is kind of one of them. Because so, you know Lorelai would have had a lot to say. 
Yeah, but in my imagination, the way it went down was, you know, at the end of episode seven, she was all upset. They hugged. I feel like they went home. She, you know, like said, you know, um, me and Dean broke up because of Jess. You know, Dean was right. Dean said this, et cetera, et cetera. And then Lorelai kind of just like connected the dots. I feel like Lorelai was already one step ahead. Like, oh, so you and Jess are happening now? Just like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think Lorelai wouldn't have said anything if Rory was super teary still. Mm-hmm. But you know she gave her shit eventually. What do you mean, like, gave her shit in, what, in which context? Like, so after that whole high-bye scene, mm-hmm. um, she's talking to Luke, and she's like, yo, this is them, the early years. Yeah, episode one of Jess and Rory, the early years. Yeah, so whatever. And then she's, I kind of hate how Lorelai is being a dick. Like, you're talking to... So she's talking badly about Jess to Luke. Yes, but then later in the episode, Luke also says he's trouble. No, I know. But I mean, it's one thing for you to say it about your nephew. It's another for somebody else, especially the mother of the person that your nephew is dating, to be like, yo, he's trouble and I'm hoping for the best. I think it's time for a jest in her life. Like, you know, like very condescending. Yeah, and I think uh, it definitely is condescending, but I think it's kind of more or less expected slash the new norm now because of all that transpired at the end of season two. Yeah, and listen, I don't think Luke's taking it badly, mm-hmm. but it's just like, ugh, yo, can you not for a second? Like, Luke has done so much for you. Just not talk about his nephew shittily. Shittily yes. is the worst. Anyway. <laughs> it's a word now. It's a word now. I made it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, giving her shit in the sense of, like, uh, you know, it's going to break your heart or like something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, yes, I could see that happening. But also, I feel like Lorelai at this point is picking and choosing her battles and kind of just like probably, yes, said something to Rory about like about the this impending relationship, but also was kind of like take, taking a step backward and like kind of just letting it play out and obviously would, would step in if need if needed. Yeah, listen, I have to say, in season three, Lorelai, when they get together, she's much better at choosing her battles mm-hmm. and keeping her snide comments to herself. Yeah. Um, which, good for you, growth, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just sucks in the beginning that she's constantly, like, putting him down in front of his uncle, who is trying his damn best to, like, make sure he's a good person. It's true. and you, But, like, at that, at that point, we, we've already said this, like, Jess arrived to him pretty fully formed so yeah luke is so naive that he thinks he can still like mold him i know you know and that's just luke being luke it's funny to me because it's like luke being luke it's what everyone loves about luke but yet gives him shit for it when it comes to jess it's true like lorelei would be the first one to say he's the best he sees the best in everyone but then turn around and say like you can't fix him why are you trying and, like, that's just chipping away at what we talked about last season about how Lorelai hates Jess so much because it's, like, the female version of her. Or the the female. The male version yeah. of her. Yeah. No, I get it. But it's just, like, her, like calm your shit. shit Goddamn. But this episode in general does not bring out a very nice side of Lorelai. Uh, no. No. It does not. Um, so it's Friday night dinner. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, no walnuts in the salad is, like, a foreign concept to this maid. <laughs> because, it's, what, five times it takes? And she no, still I'm sorry. 
Like, normally, I'm on team maid because Emily's a terror. But she, she told you don't put walls in solid. <laughs> Why is this hard? I know. Like, even, like, twice is a bit much and takes her, like, five times. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm always, always, always. You don't even have to ask me. I'm always on the side of the maid. This is the one time where I'm like, you should have fired her right then and there. Because <laughs> clearly she's not very bright. Oh, my God. Fuck, who puts Wallace in a solid anyways? Emily Gilmore, apparently. No, can I say something? Very unpopular opinion of me. But I'm not for all these, like, bougie solids. <laughs> With, like, like, raisins and cranberries and, like, a dash of fucking slivered almonds. Like, go away. You don't think that's, and you do you think that's an unpopular opinion? Yes. You think that there's like legions of people who love that? Yes. Okay. 100%. I think there's legions of people who love that. <laughs> Even croutons in a salad for me is too much. All right, then. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> so Richard corners Rory in the kitchen. Uh-huh. And um, invites her along to his Yale trip. And Richard is going back to Yale for a reunion of the Whiffin Poofs. Mm, the Whiffin Poofs. The Whiffin Poofs are an acapella group. Now listen to me very clear, carefully. They're real. <laughs> of course they are. So they're real. It's a real group. I did my research. Every year they pick 14 seniors to be part of the Whiffin Poofs. It's like Ivy League pitch perfect. Pretty much. They have albums. Oh, my God. They tour. They wear matching sweaters. Mm-hmm. I can't. <laughs> well, Pitch Perfect had, had to draw inspiration from somewhere, so. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, I can't. I just, the, the, the thought of Richard Gilmore singing with a bunch of other men. Acapella. Acapella. <laughs> Just makes me cringe inside. As it sh- as best it should. Oh my god. Anyways, so moving on. He corners her in the kitchen. Um, he invites her to this thing, and I want to talk about her reaction a little bit with you. Mm-hmm. Because I was what? Oh my goodness! It's raining so hard right now. <laughs> Sorry. Side note. Side note, oh my god, I've experienced rain like never before in Toronto, by the way. Yes, reiteration, we're no longer in the same city, so we're not in my kitchen. I, it is not raining here. No, I'm in Toronto, and my walls are made of windows, and it's kind of frightening. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's talk about Rory's reaction. Um, so her face kind of falls, and she gets a little confused. And I was wondering... Do you think it's because she doesn't want to go? Or do you think it's because she's scared of Lorelai's reaction? She's 100% scared of Lorelai's reaction. Thank you. Oh, my God. I was having this debate with somebody else. <laughs> because it's Rory Gilmore. You know she'd jump at the chance to see any Ivy League school, right? You know she'd jump at the chance to please anybody. That, too. But you know she'd love to see any fucking Ivy League school. Yeah. So the fact that she was like, oh, okay, no, I'll tell my mom. Don't worry. And she got, like, fucking contorted in her face. It's 100% because she's scared of her mother. 
I wouldn't say scared of her mother. I'd say she's like scared of Lorelai versus her parents and doesn't want to like ignite that feud once more. I don't know if she doesn't want to ignite the feud. I think it's more she's she's ups- she's scared of her mother being upset that she's yeah. going to jail. Yes, and like. How should I say? She doesn't want to disappoint anybody. So, like, even out, like, Rory for sure doesn't know what she wants yet, but Lorelai is so dead set on her and her daughter not living in her parents' world and her parents' circle, anything to do with her parents' lifestyle, that she doesn't care, like, anything but, anything but Yale. Even if, like, and we all know where Rory ends up going to school, but, like, at this point, all she wants is this this dream for her daughter that is not in her parents' bubble. So yeah, she'll do, but I so think she'll do anything that, to keep it out. Yeah, but I think the fact that Rory's so, like, confused at this point is because she knows her mother doesn't want her to be part of her grandparents' world. Yes. And let's go back to season one where she had the freak out when she went to the country club. Mm-hmm. Like she knows how her mother can react, kind of thing. Yes, and we also all know what happens in season six. So, yeah, is it really that far of a jump? So I definitely think she's a little bit scared of her mother. But like scared of her mother in this context. Yes, yeah, not scared of her mother in general. Okay. No, I think when it comes to things, I think she has to like tread the line a lot between yeah. because. I've said this before. I think Rory fits in really well in her grandparents' world. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't do it as much as she wants to because of Lorelai. Lorelai's holding her back. And that, to me, is the similarity between Lorelai and Emily. Lorelai talks about how her parents are very controlling. Lorelai can be very controlling as well in these contexts. Okay. So I agree and I disagree. Tell me more. I- I agree that Lorelai and Emily are similar in that they let they they have to control people in order to like they, like they control people. We'll just say that. Um, but I don't agree necessarily that Lorelai is holding Rory back. Like she she's holding her back if she had like demanded she not consider Yale at all. Like if that would have been it happened, like yes for sure. I don't think she's holding Rory back in the sense that Rory fits better in her grandparents' world. I think, I think that Rory is scared is scared to explore it at all. Even if like she wanted to be like in her mom's world, but like still have the option of being in a grandparents' world, which is kind of like what she ends up landing on. But like she's scared of exploring it at all because of how. Don't you think that's the element of control? It is. Can we fast forward to next episode when Lorelai gets fucking upset when she even just applied to Yale? Yes. It's definitely control. I, I don't disagree that Lorelai is, is controlling her for her own, like, for her own gain, personal gain, or personal use. But I just think, like, going, like your claim of Lorelai's holding her back, I don't necessarily agree. I don't think he's holding her back, but I think when you're that scared... To even go on a tour with your grandparents because of your mother's reaction, mm-hmm. there's something wrong. Okay, so I, I definitely agree that I want to smack Lorelai's pride out of her in this episode because 
she's holding her like we like it's it's hard to discuss this because we know how it ends yeah but in the context of this episode let's pretend we don't know what's what what comes after this yes i would say lorelei is holding her back but then at the end of the episode like they they both secretly are reading yale pamphlets and it's like it's this foreshadow that Lorelai will eventually have to concede. And yeah, but here's the problem that I have with that. Because you know when Emily is like telling her off? Yes. Or even Richard saying like Yale is a great university. Mm-hmm. She's so blinded by her hatred for her parents that she can't even consider that Yale is an amazing university. Yes, 100%. Like Lorelai is acting like a petulant child. Yes. Like fuck Yale just because my parents want her to go here. Exactly. And I agree with and I agree that what Emily said about how while you're while, um, you know, while the way your father went about this might not have been the best way his intentions were admirable. Of course, they were. It's just that like, no, he was a dick too. let's be honest. <laughs> yes, he was. So like, I would say that Lorelai get it from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. But the like, I would say that the feud between Lorelai and her parents is holding Rory back more so than just her mother because we can't like we can't say that it's just Lorelai because at the same time we also know that Laurel um that Emily and Richard are also very manipulative hence this whole come with me on a tour and then like surprise her at the meeting so like be, and you know Richard went about it that way because he knew how Lorelai would react and wanted to just get it done regardless of what would happen or what would transpire. So, like, that is also, that in itself is also an issue. No, listen, I get it. But the thing is, they've been telling her parents that she's going to Harvard for a very long time, and nobody's reacted the way Lorelai has. No, for sure. And I would also, like, I also agree with Richard most of the time when he's saying, like, Roy doesn't know what she wants. Like, it's it's not it's not good to be so, like, have your mind set on one option when there's so many, that to, when there's so many to consider. However, we also know that Emily and Richard are coming from the perspective of we're alumni. That means she'd be our little our little puppet. And yeah. That's kind of what ends well, that's kind of what ends up happening. But yeah. at the same time, as all this is going on, it's it's not it's not necessarily one party or the other. It's both of the it's both Emily and Richard and Lorelai t- together arguing. That in itself is taking away from what Rory wants. So, like, neither of them asked what Rory wants. Like, yes, in this context, Richard and Emily kind of are presenting it as, oh, that this could also be an option. Like, they're not saying outright, don't go to Harvard, No, even though they're thinking that. But at the same time, like, nobody's really, at, like, no one's really telling Rory that, like, hey, Harvard's good, too, but there, or Harvard is good, but there's also other options, like, consider this, like, it's all very tainted with this feud and Lorelai not wanting her parents' world and Richard and Emily wanting Rory as their new pawn because, you know, they couldn't control her daughter, so they didn't, just didn't confront anything, so it's all this ridiculous, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get, I completely understand what you're saying, and I agree for the most part, but the problem is that I think that Richard and Emily, it's a little different for me because I think while Lorelai is very busy and very intent on never having her child go to Yale, mm-hmm. Richard and Emily are just like, here's an option. Yes, I agree. And I would also say, I don't, but I would also argue 
to play devil to play devil's advocate on that, I would also argue that it's not it's it's not if we dig deeper, it's not that Lorelai doesn't want Rory to go to Yale. She doesn't want Rory to be in her parents' circle. Yeah, but why does that automatically have to come with your child? Like, why does that mean that then you can risk your child's education or future? Yeah, and like, but I would also I would also call bullshit on that because, like, Lorelai is very transparent when it comes to this kind of thing. So, if um you know if she says oh well we're not doing that we're not going there you're not doing like would block like like block her daughter with her own body saying we're not you're not taking her you're not we're not doing what you want we're doing what we want like that to me since season one has been very transparent and Lorelai will eventually calm down and you know go with whatever Rory wants to do yeah so I feel like it's I feel like it's it's hard to say like like it's hard to say concretely that um, Lorelai is holding Roy back or her parents are right or Lorelai is this, Lorelai. Like, yes, she is, but, like, <laughs> Lorelai is a wet noodle in this context. <laughs> so, like, she, Lorelai just folds very easily because she react like, she overreacts like a child, realizes she overreacted, you know, runs from Luke to Christopher, cries, has sex, etc. But, like... Oh, my goodness. But you know what I mean? Like, she's just very transparent and yeah, is very I, mature and acts like a child. And then eventually, you know, the the meltdown is over and she's like, oh, OK, yeah, that does make more sense. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, what Can we talk about Richard and Emily's proposal story? <laughs> the garbage can. Yeah, it's kind of cute. It is. <laughs> Like I would say, it's like it, it was like it's cute in the sense that they have this story. You know, you don't really associate th- that kind of cute story with Richard and Emily. No, that's it. That's where that's where I'm I'm coming from. Like you, they're very proper. They're very like high society. And then you find out like they propose. They she, he proposed next to a garbage can, and he didn't even propose. He just handed her a box. Yeah. And that she was the other woman. It's true. So, so, so scandalous. The first mention of Penelon Lot. Yeah, which is going to cause mucho problems later. <laughs> Big foreshadow, uh, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but for now, it's just a cutesy story that they can share with their parents, with their kids, and with their child and grandchild. Jesus Christ. Or so you might think. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyways, um, do you want to know little known facts about Connecticut? About New Haven, Connecticut? Oh, boy. Tell me. So, New Haven, Connecticut was the first planned city in America. Really? Yes. It was voted best foodie city in the United States in 2014. Weird. (laughs) Right? And Paul Giamatti was born there. I knew that. How did you know that? I don't know. That sounds like like you say it, and I'm like, I knew that. Oh, all right. Um, Yeah, I was just like, I'm like, I need to know more about New Haven since they're like hurting it hard in this episode. Mm -hmm. They're like, it's shitty, it's tiny, it's gross. (laughs) So I needed to know more. Um, A very rich history in New Haven. I feel like Connecticut itself has a very rich history. Yeah. I mean, but when you look, it, it reminds me of a quote, we're jumping way ahead, but it reminds me of a quote in season seven by April. Mm hmm. 
who says suck at New England because they think like they're so amazing because like they were whatever all these cities were founded in like the 1600s yeah like the Aztecs have literally been here for forever <laughs> it's true and Native American tribes <laughs> so so impressive but also not very impressive New England so shut the fuck up it's not um what do you want to talk about now I feel like we I feel like there's still so much to discuss um so we already I think we already you know talked to the uh Yale incident to death however I will I what I do like about that is that while Emily kind of she obviously does take Richard's side and try to tries to like explain his intentions. You can also totally tell that Emily was just looking forward to a nice day with her daughter and granddaughter, and then Richard had to go and do this and incite this age-old drama. And you can see it in Emily's face that she's just like upset that Richard would would ruin the day like this. Yeah, no, it's definitely a surprise, and I think Lorelai knows. Um... Lorelai knows that she didn't know because she's saying, you know, mom had no idea. Mom looks so surprised, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think she's only angry because Emily's taking Richard's side. Yeah, that's true. But then at the same time, I'm like, is she though? Because she's also, she, Lorelai's also the type to be like, to just get mad at her mother, you know, for, yeah. for going along with it, even though she didn't know. You know for what I mean? Sure. She's petty yeah. Um, um, but I think it's really interesting that Emily is kind of taking their side, but not taking their side. Yeah. She's playing both sides, basically. But, you know, what are you going to do, Emily? <laughs> shall, we um, jump, shall we jump back to uh, Rory and Jess? Yes, ma'am. So, yes, there's so much cringing and secondhand embarrassment in this episode. Oh, my God, so much. <laughs> and even though... Back in season one, I wasn't, like, totally um, against Dean yet. Like, Dean and Roy were still kind of, like, cute puppy love at the very beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if we're if we're going to compare, like, I'm sorry, Roy and Jess are still, like, infinitely better in, on every level. Okay, so let's talk about, hold on, before we skip ahead, because I have a lot to say on what you just said. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about um, when Rory goes to see... Uh, yes. Jess, and he's like, oh, I've got that book. Let's go look at that book. Upstairs. Upstairs, that book. <laughs> you know? Um, it's kind of nice to see Jess being like a normal, awkward teenager for once because he always seems so sure of himself. Yeah, or like sure of himself or just, you know, head down, scowl, not saying much. Yeah, but he's like, he's very confident usually. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's nice to see him as a, as a real teenager being, like, awkward and not knowing what to do. hmm Um, planning a kiss is so Rory Gilmore. Of course. It's so awkward, but it's so on brand for Rory. hmm And then I feel like we were kind of teased because it got taken away from us because Luke walks in. Yeah, it, like, but it, it feels apropos for this extremely awkward. Oh, my God, yes. And, a lot. and cringy <laughs> scene. Yeah, because it was cringe, right? It wasn't just me. Yes, but no. I will say that th- that that scene does have like the best line of the whole episode, which, which is, is uh, "Huh, that school of yours is really paying off." Just yeah, like the way, just like the way he delivers that line in that scene is just very 
Like, it's very Jess, and it's very cutesy. Like, I actually said this before, but Milo Ventimiglia was a really good actor in Gilmore Girls. He really was. And I'm like, I've only, again, I haven't seen all of This Is Us, but I've seen, like, bits and pieces. And it's just, obviously, he's, like, he's a grown man now on that yeah. show. But it's just, like, it's a very different acting style. And I didn't really like anything that I'd seen Milo in between Gilmore Girls and This Is Us. So it's mm-hmm. interesting how he's, like, grown and become even more, like, versatile. Yeah, but he was, he played angsty teenager, angsty smart teenager very, very well. Yes, very well. Um, yeah, so Luke comes up and tries to, like, lay down the law. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which I have to say is cute, and I, and, like, Luke is the only person who... Like, I'll accept being so overprotective over Rory. Because, you know, like, all the townspeople are like, oh, don't hurt her. She's, like, our princess. Yeah, yeah, I know. But Luke is, like, because you can, like, it's a known fact in the fandom that Luke was more of a father to her than Christopher. Well, yeah, for sure. But it, it it's different coming from Luke, right? It's, 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 it's coming from love. He actually cares about her. He's not, not that the townspeople don't care about her, but it's different. I don't know how to explain it. No, it is different. And I like how, I like how Luke has both parties' interests, best interests at heart. Yeah. Like, I, or less. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking it must be a really awkward position for him because he's known Rory her whole life. He's been the father figure that she never had. Mm-hmm. And yet he loves Jess. It's his nephew. It's his family. He wants to protect him. But he kind of knows what Jess is capable of. Yeah. So it's like, oh, <laughs> it must be a hard line to walk. I would. Yeah, I would definitely agree in terms of like Luke, lo- like Luke loves them both. Yeah. And yeah. Want, like wants that like wants what's best for them both however like you can totally tell he's conflicted because he knows he knows and he's seen firsthand like jess's bad boy instincts or like his tendency to you know be erratic or screw up and i feel like he doesn't i feel like he's worried that jess will rub off on rory and you know he says like oh he's hoping that rory rory will rub off on jess i feel like deep down he's worried it's the other way around yeah no, I definitely think Luke is worried, for sure. 100%. He's like, fuck, what's my nephew going to do with this girl? <laughs> exactly. Um, but, I don't know. To me, it's also funny that Luke didn't give a fuck where Shane was sitting. Yeah. But then he's like, you will be an IE when you're on the chair, she's on the couch. And you're like, Luke, relax, they're 17. <laughs> like, That's true. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it comes down to he's very protective of Rory. And not in a bad way. It's just, you know, he watched her grow up, right? Yeah. So can we talk about the scene where Lorelai and Rory are getting ready for this trip to Yale? And Rory just comes out and says, like, is, it, is this how it's going to be now? Like, you're just always going to hate Jess. Dean, Dean was, like, my lovable first boyfriend who changed the water bottle. And Jess is going to be the Antichrist forever. And no matter what anyone does, it's always going to be like that in your eyes. And, like, the way that Lorelai kind of just reacts, like, oh, the water bottle. Like, she just kind of has this unrealistic view of Dean that kind of persists for the rest of the time. Yeah, it's also, like, the the problem that I have with this, with Lorelai and Jess' storyline, um, is also she never really gives him a chance, ever. That's true. Like, never. She's still holding a grudge from that first time 
of when he came over when he first moved to Stars Hollow and said she's sleeping with Luke. Like, she's still holding that grudge, and that's ridiculous to me. It really is. But I would have to say that it's just that whole death. death. I was death. <laughs> that's their ship name, just so we're clear. Dean and Jess are deaths. No. <laughs> But I'm just like the whole Dean versus Jess dichotomy of like Dean was like the chivalrous, perfect boyfriend, which we've already dissected. We know that's not true, but like that's the image that he has. And that versus Jess, the bad boy who came into town, crashed her car, ruined her life, apparently. Like that, that whole dichotomy is never really broken. And it's just very, it's just very frustrating because, like I said, it doesn't ever give Jess a fighting chance. Yeah. And at the oh, same nobody time, ever gave Jess a chance. No. At the same time, it's just like we've already just been like we, we we've discussed this to death, but like Dean was not perfect either and was yeah. very aggressive, like eh, sexist, etc. Like we've we've named a thousand reasons why Dean sucks. But like no matter what, like no matter what we think, like Lorelai is always just like Dean, Jess, no matter what, like Dean's on top, Jess is the Antichrist. But the thing is, it's really surprising to me that Lorelai is just um, team Dean. <laughs> um, they've t- like they've talked behind Rory's back. Like he knows how she knows how jealous he is. Like, wouldn't you not want that for your child? Yes, and like, like, so I like. Get it. I know, but like like we've said before, just like these little things about Dean's character, like nobody else in the show seems to really notice. Yeah. And so. But I mean, it makes sense that the town doesn't know that he's aggressive, right? And that he doesn't give a fuck about Harvard, right? Yeah. Those are moments that happen between him and Rory. But I mean, you would think Rory tells her mother everything. Don't you think she would have told her how Dean reacted when, um, when she said, like, when he said, I couldn't care less about Harvard. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that would have been a deal breaker for Lorelai? Because the, the first episode where Rory likes Dean, she's like, you're not giving up your dreams for a guy, blah, blah, blah. It's true. And then all of a sudden, he's like, fuck Harvard. And she's like, oh, yeah, la I love Dean. <laughs> Literally. But it's just like, I don't really, like, I get it, but I also don't get it. Because just going back to that, to that first scene I was talking about with, um, Lorelai and Roy getting ready for the trip and Roy confronts her about it. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's a very it's like it's a very textbook example of the cliche of not judging a book by its cover because you think that Dean like everyone holds this image of Dean as like like I said the chivalrous boyfriend who changes the water bottle and it's like what just because he's has he has this nice gentleman-like demeanor who changes the water bottle, that means that he would never hurt Rory and Jess will. Like, you don't, you know what I mean? Like, you don't ever give Jess a chance to prove that he could also treat Rory well. But that's it. Everyone has just written him off from the beginning. And even people in the fandom, God rest their souls. Uh, um, dead? <laughs> they're dead to me, okay? Oh <laughs> the, just like, the, the whole thing about how, oh, wow, Jess pressures Rory in the party episode and blah, like that is a, in itself a different issue that we'll, that we'll get to later. But just like, okay, so Jess, but just because Jess was made more 
blatant visible mistakes that means he's like less viable than dean like it just it always comes down to the stupid dean no no i understand what you're saying and i i definitely agree with you but i mean they're dead to you and you said god rest their soul (laughs) (laughs) um like people are not wrong when they say that jess was actually really shitty too you know okay and since we've just since we've discussed this in the past i'm pretty sure that no matter what I say, my bias towards Jess will be evident. However, yes. I'm, here to, I'm here to say, I'm here to, to set the record straight. Let this be known near and far. Right now, I'm acknowledging that Jess was not a perfect but, boyfriend. But we've always acknowledged that, by the way. Yes. And like when I and like when I joke that like I don't care, he's perfect, I love him. Like that is my bias. And like I love him as a character. But I will always acknowledge when asked, when pressed that he was not perfect. Exactly. But Dean was not perfect. Logan was not perfect. None no of us was perfect. perfect. Luke was not perfect. Lorelai is not perfect. Okay, so the last scene where, well, it's not the last scene, but like where they, when they finally get their kiss moment. Yes. That was a magical musical moment. Lit- and like, it's nice how, because you know, like we've said it before, Gilmore Girls is a show that relies mostly on its own original soundtrack of the la 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 la. Um... It's nice when there's moments where, like, actual music is used. Not to say that, like, the la-la-las aren't music, but, like, actual songs. No, because, but I said it, I said it last time, too. The fact that they don't, they rely so heavily on their original soundtrack makes the moments where they put actual music so much more intense. It is, yeah. Because you know it's such a big thing when there's an actual song. Like, one of my favorite moments of the whole series is, is the, like, is the opening of the pilot where Laura, where Laura is walking to Luke's and there she goes is playing. Like that's just very on brand. Yes. But you know that this is a big moment. The fandom has been waiting for it forever. Mm-hmm. And the writers and producers and whatever were like, we need to find the best song for the best moment because they've been waiting for it for a while. Which song was it? Do you know? Yes. Well, please tell us. Are you asking or you know? I don't know. I don't remember. I knew the first time that I watched it because I looked it up, but I don't remember. Oh, okay. It's Then She Appeared. Right. By Ecstasy. <laughs> and it's such a, like, it's such a fitting song for the moment. It is. Number one. Number two, can I just say, right off the bat, as soon as their lips touch, ten times more chemistry than with Dean. Mm-hmm. And you, I'm sorry, I don't care if you're Team Dean. You cannot argue that fact with me. Honestly, I don't think we have any Team Dean listeners anymore. No, but there are some in the fandom. Yes, for sure. I, I, just, I just think we've scared them very far away from oh, our Oh, yeah, podcast. they're not listening to us, whatever. But I'm just saying, like, you cannot argue the fact that it was so awkward, especially in the later, like, especially in season three where Rory's, like, doesn't know what she wants anymore and she's just going through the motions. It's mm-hmm. so awkward when she kisses Dean. You cannot tell me that this is not fucking 96 times better. Like, didn't we say it in season two? Like, just Jess and Roy staring at each other had more chemistry than... Oh, yeah, I said it. I was wet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyways. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, you can't argue with me on this point, okay? Don't even try. It's not happening. Go away. But then we also have to discuss what happens after the kiss. Yes, exactly. Also, I feel like if either one of us was kissing Jess, Dean would be so far from my mind. (laughs) 
yeah, I'm sorry. It would just be, it would just be me and him. Everyone knows that. Like everyone listening to the podcast knows that. You want to drag them into Miss Patty's? Mm, I'm no. If it was me and him, yes. <laughs> but like, I, but like, that's also where Rory and Dean fell asleep that time. So I'm like, then he'll be in my mind. Oh god. Anyways, whatever. Um. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about what happened after Rory. Like, has a conscious. And, like, says, I have to go see Dean. Well, she doesn't say it, but she goes to see Dean. hmm And she climbs up his tree to tell him that she's sorry. And so the only thing I wrote down in my notebook for this scene was three words, and it's Dean can choke. Oh. Um, but I do have to say that um, there's, one thing that he, there's one thing that Dean does say in, in this episode that I, I have to agree with. hmm And that would be... The fact that, oh, well, too bad, Rory. Someone doesn't like you. Yeah, exactly. Because we all, like, we all have to acknowledge that Rory does have an obsession with being liked. Yeah, she's very amenable. Yes. Like, she wants... It's not so much that she wants to be liked. It's that she doesn't want to... Dis- she doesn't want to, like, ruffle any feathers. No, she wants to be... She wants to be perfect. No, but I think it's different. I think there's a difference between wanting to be liked and not wanting to ruffle any feathers. Yes. So like, there's, I don't care personally, like going back to me, cause it's all about me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like, um, I'm a child of divorce. Yes. So I know what this is. Like, you know, when you just don't want to like rock the boat, mm-hmm. um, like you just don't, you want everyone, you want to keep the peace and it doesn't, it has nothing to do with people wanting to, um, like, I, I don't give a fuck if people like me or not. Yeah. Um, there's uh, definitely a little bit of that in Rory, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree it's that... More the fact that she doesn't like confrontation. <laughs> yeah, so I would agree that, like, she doesn't want to ruffle any feathers, but that can also be easily confused for wanting everyone to like you. Yes. Yeah, they're easily, like, people often mistake one for the other. Yeah. And it's different. It manifests itself in different ways. Because... In this episode, even when Richard's talking to her, mm-hmm. she, you can tell she just doesn't want an argument between her her parents and her, uh, god damn it, her grandparents and her mother. Yeah. And that's different than I want everybody to like me and to be pleased with me. Yes. I think I she would... can show that part of her sometimes, but it's not the same thing. Yes. So in this context, you're you're 100 right, and it's more about not wanting to ruffle any feathers and just wants to keep the peace. But I would argue later that Rory's tendency to want to always appear, or not, or not maybe always appear perfect, but like to be liked and appreciated and seen as the perfect little person that she's always been told she is, that comes into play later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. That's definitely. She struggles with that later in the series as well. But for now, I don't think it's that. I think, like, her talking to Dean right now about what if your mother had seen me and your sister and they're, like, going to think I'm crazy. It's more because she's 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 sad and sorry that she hurt Dean. It has nothing to do with people not liking her. Yeah, it's true. Because I think if she really cared about people not liking her, she wouldn't have dated Jess in the first place. True. So, in this scenario, it's really more about the fact that she wanted to apologize for her behavior, which she should have. Yeah. Um, it was just a really weird way to go about it, like, after you'd just been making out with the guy. It's true. 
Yeah. So those are my thoughts. Anything else you wanted to add? Um, I'll say it once more. Dean can still choke. Yeah, okay, we get it. <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not looking forward to him being in the rest of the season. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it becomes a mess later on. Or any of season four and season five. That's a whole different story. Yeah, let's just focus on season three for now. Nothing else to add? I think that's it. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? I'm good. So where can they follow us? They can follow us at Gilmore Podcast. On? I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) On Twitter. On Twitter and Gilmore Girls Podcast on Instagram. Look at you. You got it right. I'm so like, whatever. I still don't fucking. (laughs) Anyway, it's fine. I'll get it eventually one day. Oh, yeah. I have faith in you. And they can email us at gilmorepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please. Should you feel a need to uh, drop us a line for any reason at all? Any reason. Yes. And we're actually uh, very thankful for everyone who has sent us emails after we were being uh, needy attention whores last season. Um, so please feel the, feel free to send us mail. We like mail. We do love mail. We love physical mail, too, but I'm not giving you my address. No, sorry. You'll have to, like, just f- stick with the email. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Um, that's it. So thank you guys so much. We will see you next episode for arguably one of the next best episodes of the season. Okay, arguably. You don't think it's one of the very best episodes of the season? I guess we'll save that argument for next week. Fine. Fine. Thank you for listening. Bye.